You're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review for Tuesday, February 8th, 2022. I'm Coda Babcock. And I'm Portia Cook. And you're tuned in to KCSU Fort Collins. On today's show, I go over updates in campus news and explain how leaking water tanks caused poor air quality north of Fort Collins. I go over new updates in COVID-19 statistics and policies, and we hear from Kimberly Samra from Google about Safer Internet Day and how to protect yourself online. After that, Coda goes over jury selection in the Ahmad Arbery federal hate crime trial. Then Eliza Drotar and Ewan Pert from KCSU Sports discuss gaming at home, and Drotar gives an overview on CSU athletics. To conclude today's show, Koto explains some updates on technology with information on why the IRS is reversing a policy that would have asked taxpayers to upload a selfie. Let's move right into campus and local news. On to campus and local news for Tuesday, February 8th. This section was written by Ellie Shannon, who can't make it in today. I'm Portia Cook, and you're listening to 90.5 FM. Colorado State University is in its fourth week of classes of the spring semester. Friday, the CSU men's basketball team won against San Diego State University, pulling their record up to 17 wins and three losses. Make sure to listen to Eliza Drotar coming up in the episode as she updates on all news in CSU sports. A doctoral student in the Department of Geosciences at CSU, Brianna Rick, has been conducting research on glacier activity in Alaska for several years. According to Mary Gudin of CSU Source News, Rick and CSU Assistant Professor Dan McGrath have produced a detailed inventory of the glacial lakes and dams from 1984 to 2019. On January 25th, McGrath's and Rick's work was published in an open-access journal of the European Geosciences Union called the Chirosphere. After Rick analyzed over 6,000 satellite images, the researchers found that the lakes and their cumulative areas increased by up to 59%. Dams also made an impact on these areas, since lakes that were dammed by glaciers decreased in size and area, whereas dams made of material deposits in front of glaciers increased. The team hopes that these new findings will be of interest to local governments and organizations such as the National Park Service. For more information on the team's work, visit coloradostate.edu. The North College Max Bus Line Extension is seeking public feedback as Transport looks for new transportation options for students. According to Mac Gokovi at CSU Source, the line hopes to create a Max Line from downtown Fort Collins to Terry Lake Road, and two virtual public workshops are coming up. Thursday from 6 to 7.30 in the evening, residents will have the opportunity to submit feedback on the new route. Two registration links are available at source.colostate.edu with separate links for residents and members of the business community. The project site is fcgov.com slash northcollegemax, and listeners can find details on the new route and share input there as well. Now on to local news. Larimer County is ending their mask mandate on February 12th. Make sure to listen to updates on COVID-19 later in the episode with Coda Babcock. Prospect Energy has replaced two leaking produced water tanks at an oil storage site that triggered air quality complaints north of Fort Collins, according to J.C. Marmaduke of the Coloradoan. Earthworks is an environmental nonprofit that has been pursuing state enforcement action. Earthworks reported that state and county regulators detected emissions at the site last week. Ward Glitner, the owner of Prospect Energy, stated the emissions were due to a minor thief hatch leak and that it has since been fixed. 
The tanks were already replaced in January after a notice of violation was issued from Colorado's Air Pollution Division after complaint from Earthworks and nearby residents. Glitner stated to Marmaduke that no leaks have been detected by his staff following last week's incident. For more information on Colorado's Air Pollution Division, visit cdphe.colorado.gov. According to the U.S. Bureau of Labor and Statistics, healthcare is expected to add about 2.6 million new jobs in the next decade, and UC Health in Colorado is planning to extend their programs. The UC Health Ascend Center program will pay for certain degree and certificate programs to help grow its workforce, according to Pat Furrier of The Coloradoan. The program will help reduce barriers for those interested in healthcare careers by paying for individuals to earn a high school diploma, certification, or advanced degree. Since UC Health will be paying for the education once employees are hired, a high school diploma or GED will not be required anymore. The program is expected to cost up to $50 million over the next several years. For more information on UC Health's new program, visit coloradoan.com. Once again, this section was written by Ellie Shannon. I'm Portia Cook, and we'll be right back on the Rocky Mountain Review. KCSU Fort Collins. My name is Eliza Drotar. This is your RMR Sports Report. In women's basketball, the team is 14-7 and in their season, losing their last two games against New Mexico, 73-81, to then Air Force, 63-67. to Their next games are Wednesday against Utah State for the Orange Out game and San Jose State this weekend. In men's basketball, the team won 17-3, and winning against San Diego State last Friday. Their next games are against Nevada on Tuesday, then Fresno State on Friday. In women's softball, the team will be starting their season on Friday for the Eastern Classic. The team will be facing off against San Diego, Ole Miss, Dixie State, and Cal. In men's lacrosse, the team won their Border War matchup 22-6. Their next match will be against the Georgia Bulldogs next week. In track and field, the men's and women's teams competed in the New Mexico Collegiate Classic and the Rams came home with multiple podium finishers. Congratulations to Mariano Kiss, Drew Thompson, Mauricio Gilando Vega, and Elijah Scott for their top five finishes. If you are interested in student tickets, go to csurams.evenue.net to get your tickets for women's and men's basketball and more. My name is Eliza Drotar. This has been your RMR Sports Report. Today, I'm joined by Google security expert Kimberly Samra to discuss cyber attacks and ways to protect yourself online in recognition of Safer Internet Day. Thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thank you for having me. 
So to start off with, could you explain a bit about Google's efforts to keep users secure online and why your company wants to offer additional security advice today? Yeah, absolutely. So we offer a range of security tools and resources to keep people online every day. And considering it's Safer Internet Day, you know, I'm happy to be chatting with you today to talk you through some tips, especially as the Omicron variant, as more people rely heavily on online services again, you know, it's more important now than ever to be safe on the internet. All right. So just to start off, what are some really common mistakes people make online when it comes to keeping themselves safe? So one of the things is not enabling two-step verification. And that's something that we are big advocates for. Uh, We suggest everybody enroll in that. And we've actually started auto-enrolling people in that. What that does is add an extra layer of protection to your Google account. So in addition to entering your password, we also require something else. So that could be a code sent to your phone via text, call through the Google app even. And what happens there is just in case your password is stolen, so which is a big problem right now, considering 1 million passwords are stolen weekly, somebody would still need access to your device or that second form of authentication to get access to your device. And another thing that I love about two-step verification is using it through Google, it's not overkill. So if I'm using my personal computer, for example, and I don't want to continuously go through 2SV, I can disable that after the first time, but I'm still protected because if somebody still tries to access my account from another device that I haven't used 2SV through, um, it's still going to make them go through that process. All right. And then as we're located on a college campus, our CSU students typically use the Duo platform to authenticate logins on devices that aren't Google. So if our audience is interested in adding another platform for dual authentication onto their Google devices or or their Google platforms or under their social media, how can they go about doing that if they are not auto-enrolled? We still suggest that if you're using a Google account, you go through that two-step verification process through us. And then as you're going through those other platforms, follow their steps for that as well. But we fully encourage people to use two-step verification however you can throughout your accounts. But something like your Google account, for example, which is often the gatekeeper for things like social media through your you know, different banking apps, et cetera, you, know, you want to make sure that your Google account is definitely up to date. And we also encourage you to do that and go through our privacy and security checkups, which are two separate tools that could take you through a step-by-step process to customize your privacy and security controls based on your individual preferences. On the privacy side, that could be something like checking your activity and how it's saved to your account. On the security side, that could be anything from you know making sure that you're implementing strong passwords to making sure they haven't been compromised in a breach. All right. And then on the topic of strong passwords, can you give us a little bit of information on just some pieces of advice for making those passwords stronger since a lot of people typically use the same one for almost every site? Yes, absolutely. And I can fully attest to that with some some friends who are definitely guilty of that. So, you know, you always want to make sure your passwords are unique. You want to make sure, you know, when you can use some sort of phrase, use a combination if you can, depending on the platform of capital letters, symbols, numbers. But a great thing that we have is the Google Password Manager, which actually saves those passwords for you. So you don't have to remember all those really long, complicated passwords every day. We store those for you. We also ensure, um, you know, we scan um, a billion saved passwords daily to make sure they have been involved in data breaches. So we ensure those are safe for you as well. And we also, before logging you into different pages, we authenticate those pages beforehand to make sure that you aren't at risk of any cyber threats. 
All right. And then in your work with cybersecurity and Google, have you noticed that there are any demographics that are more prone to being targeted for cyber attacks? And do you know why that is? Cybersecurity is, you know, not it's, you know, not a one size fits all thing, right? So, and especially now, considering, like I said, we're we're all relying on the internet a lot more. Everybody's at risk to, uh, you know, some of these attacks. Whether you're at school, at home, you know, working from home, you know, shopping online, and it's, you know, some of these really simple steps that you can take through something like your Google account to to keep yourself safe. So, I would say that you know everybody needs to practice better online safety. All right. And then how can people prevent becoming victims of cyber attacks by email, even if they work really hard to make sure their passwords are safe and they're using the dual authentication? I would say with anything suspicious that comes in through email, you want to consider your source, right? Who's emailing you? Why are they emailing you? I know, for example, that I'm constantly getting texts or emails about um, a package that I never sent for. But let's say you are expecting a package, but the email still looks suspicious. You know, err on the side of caution. And what we suggest you do is make sure you're using Google Chrome or Google Docs to ensure we can scan those attachments and those documents to make sure that there aren't any viruses detected and to make sure that you're not being targeted for any phishing campaigns. All right. And then, like you said earlier, since the pandemic started, many people are finding themselves online for more time than ever. So what are some pieces of security advice that you have for those who might be a little bit less tech savvy or might still be struggling to navigate hybrid and remote work compared to their normal in-person work? I would suggest utilizing the tools that you have at hand. So things like the privacy and security checkups to make sure that you're keeping your account as strong as possible, you know, making sure that you're controlling your data as well and how your data is saved, whether that's your browsing history, your search history, your YouTube history, and then safe browsing in general, right? When you're in Chrome, an easy thing that you could do, especially if you're using any public or free Wi-Fi, you know, a lot of people often can't work at home. They have to be in coffee shops and use their Wi-Fi. Make sure you're using Chrome and check in the address bar that there's a little gray lock next to the address, and that'll ensure you're connecting safely. You can also make sure that the URLs that you're using include HTTPS. And what that does is make sure that your browser or your app are securely connected to the website that you're trying to reach. All right. And then you mentioned something about the Omicron variant kind of impacting people's safety as people are just getting new emails all the time. And last month, cyber criminals used the Omicron variant to target people across the country via email. So how has COVID-19 really contributed to massive issues in cybersecurity and phishing? I think it's just uh, expanded the landscape, right? As more people are online and doing everything from online schooling to, like you said, working from home to even downloading more applications and more accounts. There's a wider attack surface for cyber criminals. So like I said, it's much more important to stay vigilant while you're on the internet. And one of the good things is uh, back to downloading a lot more of those applications and those accounts is we have our inactive account manager And what that does is if any of your accounts go dormant, I know, for example, a ton of the accounts that I opened during the pandemic while I was bored at home, I often don't go back to use them right now. So what we do is if your account becomes inactive for whatever reason, we will step in and automatically delete that content based on your needs or share it with a list of your trusted contacts and ensure they can download that on their own. All right. And then can you explain a little bit about what makes an account inactive time period or something along those lines? Yeah. So it really is dependent on you, right? So you can ensure you can set that time to see when we would step in and make it. But, you know, a dormant account could be something that you could 
only check occasionally to something that you um, have completely forgotten about and haven't checked in years. And those are actually much more susceptible to cyber attacks. All right. And then where can our listeners find out more information about cybersecurity if they still have questions? You can Google Safety Center and that'll give you more tips and more information about the tools and resources you have at hand for your Google account. All right. Do you have anything else that you'd like to share about cybersecurity, malware, and phishing today? For people who actually want to brush up, I know that you mentioned some people who aren't as tech savvy. We're announcing a new partnership with Khan Academy and a $5 million contribution to actually create new online learnings around online safety to teach people how to be, how to be safer internet users. So that announcement came out today, but we will have more information about the specific content rolling out throughout the year. So we're excited to share that with everyone soon. All right. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Cupcake Gypsies is a proud underwriting sponsor of KCSU. They are located near East 4th Street and 287 in Loveland. The Cupcake Gypsies are open Sunday through Saturday and closed on Tuesdays. Gypsies offers cupcakes and pastries freshly made from organic and locally sourced ingredients. The Cupcake Gypsies also offer a mobile bakery food truck available to rent for special events. More information available at thecupcakegypsies.com. I'm Coda Babcock, and this is National News for February 8th. The next two stories discuss brutality against Black people resulting in death. Listeners who may be unable to listen to this content while driving can turn down their speakers for the next two and a half minutes and have the option of listening online at kcsufm.com news. Protesters seeking justice for Amir Locke, a Black man shot and killed by Minneapolis police, are asking for the city's police chief to resign. According to the Associated Press, Locke was killed during a no-knock search warrant on February 2nd by a SWAT team. He was 22 years old. Around 50 vehicles drove through the city with a caravan organized by the Racial Justice Network and other organizations. The main neighborhood the caravan went to is believed to be where interim police chief Amelia Huffman currently resides, and they chanted for her resignation. Activist Toussaint Morrison said outside of the home, quote, We're asking for her job because it seems like the only time they pay attention is when it affects their jobs or their money, but we pull up when it affects our lives, end quote. During the raid, police camera footage showed an officer kicking the couch Locke was sleeping on and killing him as he reached for a pistol in self-defense. His parents, Andre Locke and Karen Wells, told AP that the police executed their son for legal firearm ownership and acting to protect himself. Jury selection for the hate crime trial of Ahmad Arbery's killers started Monday. According to Rich McKay at Reuters, jurors will decide whether or not the murder of Arbery, a black jogger chased and shot by three white men in Georgia, is a racial hate crime. 
Arbery was killed in February 2020 after running through a mostly white neighborhood. William Rody Bryan, along with Gregory McMichael and his son Travis McMichael, faced murder charges after being convicted in a state trial. The men were charged with life in prison, and the McMichaels will be ineligible for parole. The federal jury selection could take up to two weeks due to publicity, which complicates bias in the trial. The group faces a charge of using force to interfere with rights on the basis of race, which is considered a hate crime in the federal court system. This could add an additional life sentence if the men are charged based on the maximum punishment. Also in national news, Frontier and Spirit Airlines announced that the two companies plan to merge. According to Joe Hernandez of National Public Radio, the goal of this merger is to create the U.S. airline with the, quote, most competitive ultra-low fare, end quote. The companies expect to close on their deal in the later half of 2022, with a $6.6 billion transaction to do so. The companies posted a joint press release Monday, saying that customers of the airline could expect over $1 billion in annual savings as a result of the company's merging. Spirit Board of Directors Chairman Matt Gardner said, quote, We're a perfect fit. Our businesses share similar values, including our long-standing commitment to affordable travel, end quote. The merger will also solve issues most airlines faced as a result of the Omicron and COVID-19 variant, staff shortages due to sickness. Frontier would make up for around 51% of the ownership in this new merged company, while Spirit would account for around 49%. Together, the Spirit Frontier merger will become the fifth largest airline in the U.S., according to NPR. U.S. Olympic skater Vincent Zhu announced via Instagram that he is pulling out of the Olympics after a second positive COVID-19 test. According to Bill Chappelle and Jacqueline Diaz at NPR, Zhu expected to compete as a figure skater in the men's short program at the Beijing Winter Olympics beginning on Tuesday, but no longer has the opportunity to do so after a second COVID-19 test came back positive. In the Instagram video, Zhu said, quote, I've been doing everything in my power to stay free of COVID since the start of the pandemic, end quote. You can watch the full video on his Instagram at GoVincentZhu, spelled G-O-V-I-N-C-E-N-T-Z-H-O-U. Zhu competed Sunday as an alternate in place of Nathan Chen, finishing third place and getting the U.S. to a silver medal for the event. His team tweeted support for him following his COVID-19 test announcement. That's all for national news. I'm Coda Babcock, and you're listening to KCSU Fort Collins. Welcome to the KCSU Sports Podcast. I'm Eliza Drotar. I'm Ewan Pert. Thank you so much for joining me today, Ewan. Really appreciate it. Of course, anytime. You're, you're a sports guy. You like sports. And you have family that got into sports, right? Yes, that is true. Well, I have a sports family as well. And I thought it'd be really fun to sort of like talk about the stuff that we would watch or play or whatever we would do with our families. That sounds like a lot of fun. So let's... Let's start out with, let's do video games with your family. What video games did you play with your family that were like sports-based? I think growing up, most of the most of the games I played, I played with my brother. We played Madden like every night and 2K since like I got into high school, we would play 2K all the time. Sometimes I play MLB The Show with my dad. We actually, we played the Home Run Derby for a couple of hours. We just have a good time with that. But yeah, mostly those three were the big ones, but... I just have such vivid memories of me and my brother playing Madden on, on, on like a Saturday morning, just eating our cereal, just playing eating the Falcons <laughs> and Broncos. Falcons and Broncos. All right. All right. Well, I was about to ask what team you made, but that answers that question. Your family didn't like ban you from eating and playing video games at the same time? Parents didn't really watch over me and my brother <laughs> while we watched, while we played sports. <laughs> that made it games. sound very bad. <laughs> 
<laughs> that sounded not no, as No, that good. didn't sound as, yeah, that's not what I meant. Uh, <laughs> my parents just, like, they didn't really care what me and my brother did while we were playing video games. As long as we were not making trouble, they didn't really care. Then you probably didn't have carpeted floors. No, we had, we had wood floors. Okay, yeah. well, that that probably helps. I, I had carpeted every time. That'll Wherever the video games were, it was carpeted. <laughs> there you go, yeah. Well, most of the time, because I was, when I played stuff with my dad, it was most of the time we would be playing Madden or FIFA or NHL. And I, for some reason, did not like sitting in a chair when I played games just because I moved so much. So I would sit on the floor and I was free to move about on the floor because I was out of my dad's eye line. So I just, I wasn't allowed to eat near the carpets. So therefore I wasn't allowed to eat when playing video games. That makes sense. I mean, um, like. The- you were missing out on a joy. I probably missed out on like some Saturday morning sort of stuff, but I was also like a weird kid that would wake up at like 6 a.m. to watch like the Hub Network. That's what I would watch. Uh, Yes, I'm yes. Wow. You got up early. I did get up early. I was 6 a.m. to watch the Hub Network and I would like watch Strawberry Shortcake and Animaniacs. And then when my dad woke up at like 10 o'clock, we would then go down to the basement, which is where we had our gaming set up. And we would play through like a season of Madden with the Broncos. Nice. That's fun. That was always the best. All right. Give me a good memory that you have about playing Madden. I got to hear one. Ooh. okay. Um, This is kind of like this isn't like one specific moment. This is kind of just like. Whenever my brother and I would play, I would always play as the Falcons and he would always play as the Broncos. It did not matter how good the teams were. It didn't matter at all. What mattered is we were playing as the Falcons and Broncos. I couldn't play defense very well. So I just (laughs) stayed as the one guy the whole time in the middle of the line. I ran the same play every play. And it was this was when the Broncos had Peyton Manning. So at the time, the defensive lineman I would play as for the Falcons, his last name was Jerry. And and then it read as Jerry Manning. So we created this fake player named Jerry Manning for every time we played Madden together. And it was just a good time. Just every time we were like, oh, it's Jerry Manning. We're going to go. It's Jerry Manning. I, I love that. I'm a diehard Broncos person. I'm a fourth generation Coloradan. My family is heavily involved in cheering for the Broncos. If you ask my mom anything about the Nuggets, she would ask if Kenneth Fareed still plays. I love Kenneth Fareed. I wish he still played. I miss the Manimal. I miss him. He was my favorite player uh, for years, and then he disappeared, and I had to get new favorite players. I mean, I I was always on the Jokic train. As Mm. soon as he came in, I'm like, I I want to be like this guy. Yeah, Most people were like sold on Nurkic. Well, I mean, I, I didn't mind Nurkic. I this is going to sound like such a brag, but I was, for some reason, I was admitted to this like Nuggets draft event that was at Pepsi Center Whoa. with my mom and my dad. I'm pretty sure I wasn't supposed to be there, <laughs> but I was at this event and they had this like little kitty court set up for like kids to like shoot hoops. They had, like this little tiny thing that was like, like, you know, the basketball hoops that people put on the end of their driveways. Mm-hmm. It was like that, basically. That's fun. And for some reason, Nurkic was just walking around during this like drafting event. And he was like, hey, do you want to play one on one? So as, so I was like this teenager and we were just like jokingly playing one on one. That's and, crazy. And at one point he like. Because I was tiny. I was a tiny little kid. He just yeah. lifted me up so I could dunk it. We got a picture and then left. That's and awesome. my family's like, what were you doing? I'm like, I was playing with this guy. And I show my dad a picture. He's like, that's Nurkic. That's Yusuf Nurkic. Dude. I'm like, is he important? I didn't know better. <laughs> I didn't know better. I was a child. No, that's fair. No, um, That's got to be one of my favorite moments was surprising awesome. my family with it's just 
playing with Nurkic just at That's this like, event that I definitely shouldn't have been there for. Wow. I've never liked Nurkic. So like you're humanizing him. I'm right humanizing now. Nurkic. <laughs> I'm still a Jokic person, but I have nothing against Nurkic. I think the two of them just didn't get along and that sort of led mm, to some, yeah. some issues in the locker room. I, think, I don't even know if it was locker room. It's just they were both such good players you can't really play them the perfect amount of minutes when they're both that good because they're the same size so is that kind of like, like that sort of like the last dance with the bulls it's like the pippen and jordan discussion where it's like they were both so good i think they were perfect for each other i don't think it really mattered like because they won six championships yeah they, it, they they were fine i think with Jokic and Nurkic, i think it just with those two specifically it, that kind of thing happens more often with like power forwards like mm-hmm. role players like two of them would be pretty good like Jamichael Green and Jeff Green right now, both are pretty good. Oh, yeah. Jeff is just clearly so much better. Oh, they yeah. do that because they're both role players. But Nurkic and Jokic, they're both stars on their own. So they're like, we need to pick one. Mm-hmm. I can uh, I can totally see that. All right. So let's. So you talked about playing games with your brother. Mm-hmm. Did you what did you do like with your dad? I'm curious. Were oh. there any like or like watching any games that were big moments? Just hmm. rattle off some uh, spin a yarn for us. Um. So my dad raised me to be a baseball fan. He tried. He tried really hard. He tried. He tried really hard. Um. I'm not a baseball fan at this point in my life. I just. I don't have the patience for it. You and I can't be friends then. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I love going to be- to baseball games. Oh, I think it's okay, the most fun thing in the world. Or just, I feel the happiest when I'm at a baseball game. I cannot explain it. If I have a hot dog in my hand and I'm at a baseball game, cannot be happier. Like this is one of the philosophies I hold in life. If I'm at a baseball game and I'm eating a hot dog, I am so happy. And that probably comes from being with my dad. Just every time I go to a baseball game, it's with my dad. So it probably comes from him just like, it's just a nostalgic moment, kind of. But my dad tried to raise me as a basketball or a baseball fan. My mom tried to raise me as a basketball fan. At the time, I chose football. Now I'm a basketball guy. But at the time, I was like, oh, I want football, though, which was a disappointment to both of them. But well, I mean, it's nice that you had parents that had different interests in that sort of stuff. Oh, for sure. With my family, it was just my dad and my mom and almost everyone else in our family just kind of followed what he did. <laughs> My dad's side was very sports heavy. It does help that it's all guys at this point right now. Yeah. It's just like kind of part of it. Not all guys like sports, but I mean, my uncle does not. He doesn't know anything about sports, but my grandfather is into it. My dad's into it. I'm into it. So everyone like on my mom's side is basically just like, we follow whatever the two uh, sports people say. We're like, all right, fine. It means that we just got like seven other fans for something that they don't even know about. Seven more fans. Yeah, That's seven awesome. more seven more fans for like a Nuggets game or something. <laughs> like that that works. I think uh, that's why the Lakers have so many fans. It's just like, oh, everyone knows about the Lakers. Oh no, I'm well, I mean, like with, with Serbia, all of them are Nuggets fans because Obviously. they have the Serbian there. And the that's big Serbian. <laughs> the big sweet Serbian man. He is he's honestly he's such he's a cool a really guy. Good dude. Well, I mean, they do oh gosh, the food bank of the Rockies mm-hmm. and give sports. Jokic is at all of those every That's time. Awesome. He's always at those. But, well, I mean, it helps that he's also just like very tall. So he's very easy <laughs> person. Just like, like when you're getting waved in to make your donations, he's this giant, like scary building yeah. of a person. And you're just like, okay, I can see that guy. He's waving us in. Let's well, just. He's telling me what to do. Okay. He's, okay. Yes, sir. Thank you. <laughs> Please don't hurt me. <laughs> <laughs> not, not like you would, but you. Yeah. <laughs> but the joke is still there. 
I remember I was at a Nuggets game. I don't go to very many Nuggets games, but when I do, it's an absolute treat. Just because we talked a little bit about this on Ramblers, actually. When you're at a Nuggets or a Rams or whatever basketball game, there's a different atmosphere. There's an Mm -hmm. energy that everyone gets to build off of. And it's sort of like a beautiful thing. Everyone is, they're almost all reaching out in all the branch to each other of like, let's do this together. I don't know who you are. I don't know anything about your history, but let's do this together. Yeah. Everything is pushed aside when it comes to sports and it's awesome. But when I was at that Nuggets game, we were somehow, I don't know how, but like we were just sort of in Denver and we're like, hey, let's go to Nuggets game. And we were basically seat fillers. Because someone like on whatever Seat Geek or something had those. like super cheap tickets. So yeah. we just got like the three tickets. And we were right above the, um, oh gosh, it's not the dugout, but whatever, like the entrance and exit to the oh, locker wow. rooms. We were right above that. And I remember this was just when Jokic was starting before everyone started calling him Joker. Right. But that was like the nickname. And my dad was like, you got to call him Joker when he passes by. That's his nickname in the locker room. So I'm like, great game, Joker. And he looks up at me. Points at me, winks, and leaves. And I'm what? like, what? That's crazy. <laughs> I That's was absolutely insane. I was like, what is going? That is awesome. Well, it probably Have you met all of the centers in the NBA. <laughs> I mean, no, just <laughs> the way you answer that makes me think you've an- you've met more than two. Have you met any other ones? Any other NBA players you know? Well, I, I did met I did meet Murray when Murray was on you the met team. The, you met well, Jamal was, Murray? Yeah. He's he, still on the team. Yeah, and he was, it was, I meet all these people when I do, like, the, I'm a huge supporter of Food Bank of the Rockies, and I volunteer all the, I volunteer all the time down there. Whenever I'm near Denver or near my parents' house, I'm usually doing something out there, whether if it's the Give Sports donations, which is where I see most of these players and get pictures, or if I'm at Food Bank of the Rockies, and it's just, like, the day that they're volunteering, it's like, I know you. I'm not going to make a big deal out of it, but I know you. (laughs) That's crazy. That's so also just like awesome that you're a good person like that. Are you kidding me? (laughs) You don't have to be. Props to be a good person. Well, I mean, there are volunteer opportunities everywhere, but yeah, for sure. But not everyone does it. So, well, I mean, good job. It's just fun. I've always the Food Bank of the Rockies has been such a wonderful group, and they have such incredible opportunities for kids i'm like how can i not support it that's fair that's totally fair. that's the way i think about it and i it's it's unbelievable to see what a little bit of kindness can do yeah. and how one small thing whether if it's donating some extra gear or if it's just being there when someone needs it giving a little bit of a donation to help with food insecurity over like a school weekend or something that can help or even if we're get, we're i'm gonna make a circle back But like our families and our friends, when we play games, when we start memories, if we're going to a baseball game together or we're playing Madden on a Saturday morning, those memories can make so much of who we are in the best ways possible. Mm -hmm. And I live for those moments. That's why I love sports so much. Yeah. Because it's an outlet for everybody to have a moment like that. Truly. And it's unbelievable to see it. No, I totally get that. That was a really good way to put that. <laughs> well, then I'm going to end it off on a high note. Thank you so much for joining me. Really, really appreciate it. If you are a current CSU student and would like to be a part of KCSU FM, go to kcsufm.com backslash training. 
to be a live DJ, podcaster, or reporter. This is 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. back on the Rocky Mountain Review. If you missed campus or local news, be sure to check out a recorded episode on Spotify at KCSU News or on the KCSU app. I'm Coda Babcock, and you're listening to COVID-19 updates for Tuesday. Colorado State University reports over 8,500 cumulative COVID-19 cases since the university began recording cases in May 2020. Monday, the university hosted a forum for students on mask requirements despite a lack of public outreach about the event. The president's office, pandemic preparedness team, and other regular sources on COVID-19 information for students failed to report the event's occurrence to students through their RAMS emails. Larimer County repeals its mask mandate on February 12th, although local businesses and other organizations can still require patrons to wear masks. The county reports a total of over 72,700 cases of COVID-19, along with 450 deaths. Larimer County has a high COVID-19 risk score, and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention ranks the county as having high levels of community transmission. Additionally, the county reports a seven-day case rate of 576 COVID-19 cases per 100,000 residents. 72 COVID-19 patients reside in county hospitals, and intensive care units report that they are at about 90% utilization. In the past seven days, 14% of COVID-19 tests in the county came back positive. Due to high rates of transmission, public health officials recommend the following precautions. Get vaccinated and boosted against COVID-19 if you have not already. Wear masks indoors when people from outside your household are present. Masks should fit snug and KN95 masks are especially recommended. Monitor yourself for COVID-19 symptoms and stay home even if your symptoms are mild. Get tested immediately if you notice any symptoms of COVID-19. If you test positive, seek treatment and isolate. Postpone all indoor gatherings, and in the case that it cannot be postponed, require that all attendees be vaccinated. Consider limiting the number of invited households present and move activities outside if possible. Employers are encouraged to promote remote work options for employees when possible. The county also reminds residents to continue practicing social distancing. The state of Colorado reports over 1.2 million COVID-19 cases and over 11,800 deaths. Nearly 58,000 COVID-19 patients are hospitalized in the state. 10.1 million doses of approved COVID-19 vaccines were administered in the state by Monday night, and 3.9 million Coloradans are fully immunized against the virus that causes COVID-19. Nationally, the U.S. reports over 76.4 million COVID-19 cases, and nearly 900,000 Americans are dead as a result of COVID-19. Over 80% of people over the age of 5 are vaccinated against COVID-19 nationwide, but community transmission remains high in every state. I'm Coda Babcock, and that's all for Tuesday's COVID-19 updates. Information from this segment comes from Colorado State University, Larimer County, the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment, and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. If you are a student, staff member, or faculty member at CSU, visit covid.colostate.edu to submit vaccine results, schedule saliva screenings, and get the most recent information on COVID-19 at the university.
I'm Coda Babcock, and this is Tech News for Tuesday. After Neil Young triggered a chain reaction of artists and content creators pulling their work from Spotify over the past two weeks, the musician now urges Spotify employees to resign. According to Mitchell Clark at The Verge, Young said that the true issue at Spotify is CEO Daniel Ek, and not just podcaster Joe Rogan. Previously, Young pulled content originally as Spotify continued featuring the Joe Rogan Experience podcast due to its content including misinformation on COVID-19. After Spotify opened a COVID-19 information hub on their platform, Young and others seemed disappointed in the company's response. In a letter to Spotify employees earlier this week, Young told employees to, quote, be free and take the good path, end quote. Other musicians like Joni Mitchell pulled their music for similar reasons. Some other artists and podcasters pulled their content both because of this and due to a clip of Rogan saying the N-word on his podcast. Rogan apologized for using the slur and pulled some episodes as a result. Silicon Valley billionaire Peter Thiel will not be up for re-election to Meta's board of directors. According to the Associated Press, Facebook's parent company said he would remain on the board until their next shareholder meeting, but would leave after 17 years with Facebook. Thiel also serves as an advisor to former President Donald Trump, making him a polarizing figure following the 2021 insurrection at the U.S. Capitol. In a statement, CEO Mark Zuckerberg said, quote, Peter is truly an original thinker, who you can bring your hardest problems and get unique suggestions, end quote. Thiel and Meta so far have not said what he intends to do following the end of his role at Meta, but the New York Times and Bloomberg said that he will be busy at work during midterm elections as he supports Trump's allies in maintaining and gaining new political offices. The New York Times and Bloomberg used unnamed sources with close ties to Thiel in accessing this information. After the Internal Revenue Service created a requirement for some taxpayers to submit a photo of themselves to set up an online account, they are backing away from the proposed requirement due to complaints on government overreach. According to Brian Naylor at National Public Radio, those who would have to submit photos included any taxpayer wanting to view old tax returns or access child tax credit payment information on the site. Emily Tucker, the director for the Center on Privacy and Technology at Georgetown Law, said to NPR, quote, The consequences of not agreeing to give up a photo of yourself, which is then stored in a corporate database which is protected only by that corporation's own easily changeable privacy policies, is that you may not be able to comply with federal tax law under some circumstances, end quote. The IRS intended to enter a contract with IDME, who would have verified and stored taxpayer photos. Some critics and experts addressed that the policy could lead to increased targeting of taxpayers by ransomware users and other criminal hackers, ultimately causing large data breaches. Ten federal agencies use IDME for their services, and facial recognition technology is used by 18 federal agencies overall. Facial recognition technology has been observed to incorrectly identify people of color in the past due to algorithms with racial bias, along with other issues. While some more up-to-date programs solve these bias issues, The potential for data breaches still continues to put Americans at risk, ultimately leading to the IRS's decision to remove the requirement. That's all for Tech News. I'm Coda Babcock, and you're listening to KCSU Fort Collins. And now, for the weather. Tuesday, we saw sunny skies with a high of 49 and a low of 28, with moderate wind speeds of up to 16 miles per hour. Wednesday, expect partly cloudy skies, a high of 47 and a low of 27, along with 10 mile per hour winds peaking at around 10 that night. Thursday will be mostly sunny, with a high of 54 and a low of 34, with 9 mile per hour winds reaching their peak around 10 in the evening as well. And for Friday, tune in this Thursday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the Rocky Mountain Review, only on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. And that's all for today. We just wanted to thank Damien Castile for our amazing theme music that's playing right now. 
We'd like to thank our guests today, as well as Portia Cook, Thomas Taylor, David Demuth, Stevie Jones, Hannah Copeland, Bryn McCall, Jack Balsley, Glendon Shell, Hannah Hitchcock, Elliot Hutchinson, Eric Zhang, Brennan Cole, Bridget Bandell, Eliza Droder, Dylan King, Michelle Ellis, Ben Haney, Ben Kruger, Anna Schwabi, Marie Tanksley, Peter Walk, and the rest of the staff here at KCSU and Rocky Mountain Student Media. We couldn't do this without you. And I'd like to thank you, Coda. And I'd like to thank you, Allie. And we finally couldn't do this without you, dear listener. Thank you. And with that, we'll see you next time.